When men experience miscarriage, that's going to be our topic today at Life Talks. Just a few days ago, you heard a podcast that I that I shared with you where we talked about the general topic of, of miscarriages. And the reality is, is that many people are aware now that miscarriages occur because of changes in technology and science and when they find out you're pregnant. And uh, there's a lot of support out there. There's a lot of support for, for um, uh, you know, families that are struggling with infertility. There's a lot of support for ladies who are going through the different uh, uh, challenges of, of uh, being able to uh, carry a, a child to term. Uh, but there's not a lot out there for men. So when my friend Dave Dietz wrote a book called When Men Have Mess miscarriages, finding hope amid silence pain. Man, that caught my attention. So Dave is um, a pastor, a former pastor, but he is also the vice president of uh, Institute for Biblical Leadership. I serve as the chairman of the board of this organization. Dave travels the world, literally travels the world, uh, training disciple makers, uh, helping pastors and missionaries in crisis, coaching churches and church leaders uh, on everything from governance to unity. Um, He he has forgotten more about many of the topics he deals with than I've ever known. I'm so thankful to have him in my life, and I'm thankful to have him on Life Talks today. Dave, thanks for being with us today. So, Dave. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. Dave, you, I mean, you've now written the book, and I don't think you wrote, I know you didn't write it in a vacuum. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, so that's uh, nobody. Well, maybe some people set out to write books, but uh, typically, you know, most people don't wake up one day and say, I think it'd be really fun to write a book. And uh, I think like anything, we are given opportunities by God that uh, present themselves in ways that uh, we often think we're the only ones who deal with it or the only ones who are um, caught up with the challenges of it. And so um, about seven years ago, I was pastoring a church and Michigan and a woman came to me. She said, my son and daughter-in-law just had a miscarriage. That is there anything I could give them to help them? And, and um, I told her, I said, no, I said, there's really not anything out there for men. There really wasn't. And, and so really isn't. And so in the course of the conversation um, she mentioned, she said, well, somebody should really write a book about this. And I turned to her and I said, yeah, they really should just very matter of fact, like, you know, like, let some celebrity person or somebody else write a book. Uh, and as soon as I said that, it was like the Holy Spirit sent a knife through my heart saying, well, why can't you write this book? We had, my wife and I had been through four miscarriages of our own and it had been some time since our last miscarriage. And that uh, really was something I hadn't really thought much about or really dwelt on them, the topic that much. And uh, so through the course of that conversation with this woman, uh, that's kind of what prompted was the uh, impetus for uh, writing this. Just basically going through, here's our story. I have no, nothing else to say other than what's happened to us. So here's what God's brought us through. And here's some things I wish I knew. So that's yeah. kind of the background. I, I think that's one of the important things about this book. Sometimes there is comfort in knowing that your experience is not a solitary experience, that there are others who have not only traveled this path, but have survived the experience. So as you've, as you've written this book, I'm, I'm sure also as a pastor, you've had to, to use your experience of loss of, of four babies before birth uh, to provide comfort for others who are kind of traversing, the, you know, the same situation. Uh, t- t- you know, how would you, how would you recommend someone approach somebody else who has had a miscarriage? And would you approach the the, the husband differently than you would the wife? 
Yeah, I think, well, first of all, how you would approach them is with um, care, with grace, with sensitivity. Uh, if you've been through it, typically, you know, you're going to understand a whole lot better. If you have not been through one, um, you know, in the in the words of all of probably all of our mothers, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes pastors tend to feel like they've got to say, actually say something. And that's when they get themselves into trouble. Sometimes it's okay just to sit in the silence and mourn in the silence and wrap our arms around people in the silence. And that's okay. Um, but I think with regards to, you know, how, how we would address men and women, there certainly is a fundamental difference. I mean, a woman is going through so many physical um, even emotional, hormonal things that are taking place with her body and through the miscarriage. And so there's there's certainly elements that that we need to help and care for and maybe provide other resources for for her. But I think for men, it's it's really just being able to live in the silence with them, helping them grieve, helping them talk about things as they desire and how God is leading them. You know, not forcing them to talk about it, but yet being there to um, to to be there for them when they get ready to talk about it and uh, asking open ended questions for them, allowing them to grieve in the way that God has designed them to grieve. Everybody's different. You know, I know as I went through this process of you know putting this into a book form. Um, you know, I, I spoke with one person who said, I'm going through all the formal stages of grieving. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's, that's what they need to do. That's how they need to process others. Uh, probably the more common, uh, response by guys is just simply to, you know, stuff it down. It didn't happen. We don't know how to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. And so I think with guys, you need to, you need to, the communication process is important asking open-ended questions, just giving them permission to talk about it. I think that's what's been interesting with this book. Um, as, as you read some of the, some of the, you know, feedback and comments on Amazon and uh, that the guys that have read the book have written, I feel like what this book is doing is giving men permission to actually talk about this topic uh, that really they didn't have an opportunity to talk about before. So I think with men, just being careful, being gracious, being being very flexible. Um, women need the emotional help and support as well. And they need a whole lot of other, you know, actual medical, physical things to help them. Uh, but guys are really in this weird state. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. When my wife and I lost our third, um, that also uh, brought about the end of our ability to even attempt to have children um, because there was no way at that time, this is 30, 35 years ago, uh, that we could have afforded in vitro, which would have been the only other option. And in those days, it yeah. was rarely successful. So on top of the loss of of the individual babies, there was the realization that we would never experience um, something that we both desired to, uh, which was having biological children. And the Lord graciously gave us four adopted children. And, you know, you look back and you're just grateful for God's providence in, in that situation, but you didn't see that then, you know, at that moment, yeah. we, we, our arms were empty. Um, but here's, here's something I faced um, was I didn't have anybody to talk to. First of all, I was in the ministry. So I was, I was a pastor uh, by the, the time that we lost the last one. Um, and there, there are certain expectations when you're in the ministry. 
uh, that you, you know, well, he's pastor. He knows yep. how to, but the other thing is I did. He a, knows everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can handle it. But the, uh, the other part of it was that I didn't know how to talk to my wife about it. Um, even because it would bring emotion. And I thought that by seeing the emotion that I was causing pain when really I would have been perhaps prompting healing. So many times men will choose silence rather than conversing with their spouse. Uh, what, what did you experience on this and what have you seen in, in your leadership experience? Yeah. So I would have been the same exact way. In fact, what I write in the book is really, if I would have followed some of that advice, that probably would have been helpful for my marriage, helpful for my wife. Um, you know, to me, it didn't happen. That's the easiest way to deal with it. It didn't happen. We just ignore it. What's your problem? Let's move on. Um, and and I think what it did was it forced my wife into silence, if you will. She had some, she had some resources. She had some people that she could talk to. But for the most part, it was not something that we dialogued about um, at all. And in fact, I was probably the one, kind of like what you were talking about. Um, you know, we got to the point where. You know, I, I told her, I said, we we can't keep going through this. I cannot live on the roller coaster, emotional roller coaster of are we going to get pregnant? Are we going to have kids? Is is the is the baby going to make it to term? Are we going to are we going to make it? And we went through, you know, multiple years of that. And so in hindsight, um, you know, I, I wish I would have been the more loving, caring, compassionate husband. Um, you know, fortunately, my wife is a strong woman and. And I've had to, you know, kind of rely on that to get us through because I, I wasn't there for her and and talking to her about it. And what did we feel and how did she feel and what are we going through? To me, the thing didn't happen. It didn't occur. So we don't talk about it. And um, I wish I wish I would have followed some of the things that that I talk about in the book were just basically written to say, looking back in hindsight, Deets, it would have been really good if you'd done this. Uh, for your wife. And uh, so I think, you know, it's a vulnerable thing and, and we don't understand it. The women, the woman doesn't always understand what she's going through. The man certainly doesn't understand what he's going through. And yet there's a vulnerability where both parties, the, the husband and the wife just need to be able to come together to say, we don't even know what we're going to talk about here. We don't even know what emotions we're going to get into, but we're going to trust one another. We're going to love one another. We're going to get ourselves through this process together. And, and if there needs to be help from, you know, outside party or somebody who's been through it, um, you know, certainly that would be something, you know, you or I or whoever's been through it that's dealt with it would be happy to say, hey, let, let's just walk you through some things while you're going through it to not repeat the same mistakes we made. And um, so those, those are, I think, some things that I would I would recommend. I, I think that's some really important advice uh, because, again, you and I are wired similarly, I believe, in that. Um, particularly as pastors, um, people come to us for answers. We don't go to somebody else's frequently for answers, usually until right. we're in total crisis. And then all yep. of a sudden, because we're drowning, uh, we start flailing and looking for, for people that were there to help us all along, but we were too stubborn to reach out to them. And I think that counsel that you just gave for men is particularly important because men tend to be closed off and we tend to be a little more independent than is healthy. And we don't reach out, you know, asking someone to take us out for a cup of coffee and, and, and just simply say to them, what was your experience? 
How did you manage this? What do you wish you had done differently? Such wise uh, information. But, you know, the other option is for us to go to people, if you've experienced this, and just offer to take them and ask them these open-ended questions. And I think that's, again, a really great piece of advice. You know, so how are you doing? And the first answer, don't accept that. No, 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 no. Let's back up again. Let me ask this question again. (laughs) How are you doing? And, um, yeah, and, and get yeah. down into the, in, into the meaty part of it. I, I know that you probably experienced this as we did as well. Sometimes well-meaning people say incredibly stupid things during moments like this. What, what kind of advice do you have in dealing right. with that? <laughs> well, don't, uh, don't be like Moses. Don't hit the rock. Don't hit the people. Um, <laughs> even though in the moment you feel like it, um, I talk about that. I think it's in chapter two, just a couple of examples of things that people said. If un- unfortunately, uh, what is the reality is we got more grace, compassion, and mercy from unsaved people than we did from the church. And, uh, you know, just, just one of the stories that we recount in there is, you know, a, fr- a friend of my wife's who, you know, called her in the middle of our, our miscarriage drama, called her, wrote her and said, you know, this is God's judgment on your life. And oh um, I hope you get your sin dealt with. And wow. it was like, you know, A, you thought that and then B, you said that. So you were, well, I don't know. Can I say this on your podcast? <laughs> you were stupid on two levels. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed in life talks, but you can edit it out. But you... <laughs> You, you thought it and you shouldn't have thought it, but then you really went to the second level. You should never have said it in those moments. And so uh, I think, unfortunately, those that have gone through miscarriage are going to have to be the ones who are prepared to show the grace and mercy to the people who don't know how to respond. And, and that's what, you know, honestly, if you don't know what to say, it's okay to just give somebody a hug and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. And just leave it at that. It's really okay to just do that. Yes, abs- absolutely. Uh, Britt, our producer, and and I were talking about some of the things that had been said to us, and I think both of us have a personal favorite, and in, in that one is God needed another angel. And when, when, I, when I hear that, I honestly want to do physical violence. <laughs> you know? yeah, the, there's some theological issues with that, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you just have to, it's unfortunate, but you have to be prepared for some really crazy things to be said. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, those are challenges that exist uh, within that Um within that topic. I'm going to want us to cover this again at the very end, but if, you know, if uh, there's somebody listening to this podcast right now and they want a copy of your book, how do they go about that? So they can go to Amazon um, because I love supporting Jeff Bezos, but uh, they can go to Amazon and uh, they can just search when men have miscarriages and it should pop right up and uh, they can order it. Um, uh, there's a Kindle version, there's a print version, and then hopefully soon there'll be an audiobook version uh, that'll be available, but, uh, or if they really, you know, if, if somebody can't afford it, it's really not a problem. If they, if they shoot me an email, uh, Dave D at IBLministry.org, I'd be happy to send them a copy. And, um, you know, this is really something my wife and I have enjoyed doing as a ministry to, to be able to give back and to help. And, and, uh, so we're happy to, to do that as well. But I think it's seven ninety nine on Amazon, which 
isn't too much. I don't think so. Uh, right now it's like a cup of coffee at Starbucks anymore. So that's right. (laughs) um, Hopefully that's helpful for people. Yeah. And I frankly urge you to, to, uh, to not buy one, buy two. And the reason for that is, um, I believe that, you know, what Satan means for evil, God consistently finds ways to use for good. And, um, I, I kind of want you to kind of share, you know, beyond writing this book, how has God used your situation in your ministry, in your life, with your children, with with others who have gone through miscarriages? Because um, the reason I say buy two books is I believe God's probably going to bring somebody into your path that that he would like for you to use this book as a comfort to them. So give one for, keep one for yourself and, and buy one to give away. But how has God used this in terms of even your own journey and your own ministry? Yeah, I think it's it's given me an opportunity to minister to people better. It's allowed me to kind of articulate it out in such a way that I can I can help pastors. There's a section at the back of the book for pastors for just some practical things that they can do, especially if they haven't been through a message. Um, it's allowed us to, you know, really we are we talk about it in one of the chapters of the book where just dealing with our our son who was a twin, we lost his twin as the last miscarriage, and just having to deal with him and walking through with him and ministering to him. And honestly, uh, so much of why this book is written is uh, because of, of Andrew and how God was working with him and, and him dealing with me. And um, But just being able to be an encouragement to people and to be able to be a help to people through that process. One of the one of the things I'll, I'll mention, and uh, it's so the, uh, the the title of the book has actually received some criticism. Uh, which is fine. It seems like people criticize everything. Uh, but uh, the lady that cuts my hair, she runs a little barbershop not far from us. And so she asked about this book. I'd mentioned I'd written it. She put it out on her her display counter. And so I'd been about a month since I'd gotten my hair cut. I went back last week and she said, I just want to tell you that I've had more heated conversations with men in the last month than I've ever had before. She said, they, they're coming in here, they're seeing the book and they're saying, you know, why are you going woke uh, why would you have this kind of <laughs> literature in your in your uh, barbershop? She's a, a believer. She's got, you know, John 316 plastered on the front of her barbershop. And she said it's just been really interesting to hear men have a reaction, almost a vit- vitriolic reaction to the title. And, um, you know, the, the reality is probably of all the comments and feedback I've gotten is the title is the most controversial one. And uh, we I picked it out seven years ago when we weren't dealing with all the stuff that we're dealing with today. <laughs> But really, it's a theological redemption of this concept that if you say a man doesn't have a miscarriage, I'm not. No one in the room is saying men can get pregnant. No one in the room is saying that men are having babies. We're not. Nobody's saying that. But um, if you're going to say, if you're going to devoid men out of the equation of this miscarriage process, you've got some other challenges that you've got going on. And I think it really what it's done. It's been interesting, even within conservative Christianity. It has shown me how we actually believe about the role of women and how we actually believe in the treatment of women. That's your thing. You got pregnant. Yeah, I'm sure we had a part in that. Well, yeah, we did, but we're not going to acknowledge it. That's your problem. The pregnancy is your problem. The miscarriage is your problem. And so we, we deal with the issue of trying to uh, navigate and engage with um, men around this topic of this is your this is your issue as well. It's your it's your thing to deal with as well. And that's why I think men don't deal with it. We just act like it doesn't happen. That's the woman's problem. She got pregnant. Uh, she lost the baby. 
and we devoid ourselves, men devoid themselves out of the conversation, which makes it easier. Maybe it's a coping mechanism, makes it easier for them to push it down and not deal with it. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you made that point because, y- you know, the, we're losing many of the core values of the marriage relationship that, that, that we're no longer two, we are one. Uh, when one grieves, the other grieves. When one celebrates, the other should be celebrating. That unity is essential for a healthy marriage. And, uh, and today, you know, the, the rise of competition, but men are called to love, to lead, to provide and protect. And in a loss like a miscarriage, there are you can do all four of those things. It's part of servant leadership. And uh, it is sad, you yep. know, that it, you, I, I actually, which I'm kind of surprised, did not even consider the name in, to, in light of today's woke controversies of trans rights and so forth. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm glad you chose the name because I think it is important. And I know the loss I felt each time the doctor said, I'm sorry. Um, and I can remember yep. shielding my wife from my own tears and from my own pain. I, I remember when she was in the hospital um, the, the second time and the other fallopian tube had been blown out that I literally walked out into the hall and I put my head on the wall and I just bitterly wept for minutes and minutes and minutes because it was the death of the dream. And then I dried my eyes and I walked back in and I sat down and I didn't mention it again during the entire hospitalization because, but at some point I, I needed a hug too. Um, and so yeah. I, I think your I think your your book has reminded us of that. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your wisdom with us. Tell us one more time how we can get a copy of When Men Have Miscarriages. Sure, you can go to Amazon.com, search When Men Have Miscarriages. It should pop right up, and um, you can order it there. You can order copies there. And uh, again, if 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 that's a issue for you, uh, feel free to reach out, Dave D, D-A-V-E-D, at iblministry.org, and I'd be happy to uh, to send you a copy. And, and and if there's anybody that, you know, says, hey, I'd like to talk or, you know, just get some advice, we're, we're happy to, you know, engage in that conversation and uh, help with that, so. Thank you so much, Dave. Our guest today has been Dave Dietz, Vice President of the Institute for Biblical Leadership. His book is entitled, When Men Have Miscarriages. Go to Amazon.com, get a copy for you and a copy for somebody that God is going to bring into your life as well. You'll be glad that you did. As always, we thank you for joining us for Life Talks. And until next time, we'll catch you then. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.